I'm amazed at faith, and yet I understand the vastness of faith is so extreme that it's hard to encapsulate it all. It's hard to get your hands around it all, your mind around it all. And to what degree faith applies to you today in this place, I don't really know because there are so many people that worship with us that come from different experiences and different backgrounds and different challenges. But I do know this. I I don't know it all. I'm not here to try to explain everything uh, as far as the ins and outs and vastness of faith. But I do know this, and, and that is it is impossible to please God without it. I I don't know everything there is about it. I don't know how to define it fully. I, I really don't know how to get my hands wrapped around it fully, but I do know that it is impossible to please God without it. And the reason I know that is because Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Amen. So I know this, that if you believe, you know, you are convinced that He exists and it is your life's pursuit to seek Him, then the Bible tells us He will reward that type of individual. It takes faith to please God. And everybody shout, Amen. Amen. Rewards come to those who live their lives by faith. If if you're looking at your life and say, there's not many rewards going, there's not many blessings, there's there's, there's things that are missing... I would say it could be that that you're living a faithless type of life. You're living in a way where you have control of everything and you will only allow the things that you can control to come into your life. You're shying away from what looks like impossible situations and so there's no need for faith and so the rewards will never come. So rewards will come to you when you have faith and know that no matter what the circumstances look like, He does exist. Amen. He hasn't gone out of the God business. He's still in business. The sign is up and the lights are on. He's not abandoned who He is. He exists and He rewards those who will just continue to seek Him in spite of the struggle. Who will continue to show up no matter what's going on in their life. I'm going to seek Him in spite of my situation. Now, faith uh, has many different definitions. And if you were to go uh, to a a dictionary today and look through that, you will find under that heading of faith many different things. Well, one, one part of the defining of faith, at least the word of faith, is this, that it is a confidence or trust in a person or a thing. So faith is... I put confidence in someone or something. I trust someone or something. This morning when I left early to go to the north side for the service, the roads were still a little bit treacherous. And uh, when I got on the interstate, I, uh, I, I was driving along and it was a welcome sight 
to see the snow plows on 25 just in front of me because I have confidence that what they're picking up and putting down will help me get to where I need to go if I stay behind them. Now, if, if I, like others that decided those things are just in my way and fly around them like I saw others doing, they went flying by me and whipping around the, the snow plows and fastly speeding off uh, up 25, I was thinking to myself, they are putting a whole lot of confidence on the vehicle or in the vehicle they're traveling in and a whole lot of trust in tires that they're riding on that when they get a mile or two up the road that uh, they'll be able to brave the ice and uh, the the depth of snow and everything else that's going on. Now, I decided I was going to put my confidence and trust in those trucks. They decided they would put their confidence and trust in their own vehicle. I, I, I thought to myself as they went around me, several people, I, I thought to myself, you know, uh, I might be seeing them here in a mile or two on the side of the road And uh, like that turtle, I'm just going to keep on moving and let them enjoy their rabbit detour on the side of the road. you got to put your trust and your confidence in something or someone. That's That's what faith is, that my trust is there. Now, the aspects of faith in the Scripture are many. I, I could talk to you today about salvific faith. And that's the faith it requires to be saved. That's just my 10-cent word for you today that I learned in college. Salvific faith. So there's that type of faith. There is faith that you would, and I would call, delivering faith. There is faith that we could say is a daily faith. I need daily faith. We, We could talk about miraculous faith or the gift of faith. We could talk about the measure of faith that's given to every man. We could talk about biblical faith. You see that a search of the internet would reveal to you really quick that there are people who say there's three types of faith and other people that say there's five types of faith and some that say there's seven types of faith and and you can just go on and on and on and find whatever it is you're looking for. But I will tell you that faith is the aspects of faith are so many that there's no way I could cover them all in this one service. But, But I do know that it was Christ that said to Simon in Luke 22, verse 31, He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. He demanded. This, this, this brings more of a reality to the conversation. King James said, Jesus told Simon, Satan desires That's a little bit more passive. That's kind of an easy way of putting it. Satan desired to have you. The English Standard Version said he demanded. 
to have you. It wasn't just that he desired. This, this puts it in a, in a completely different uh, tone when you, know, you may desire something and never express that desire. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's probably best with fallen nature that we don't often and always express our desires or we all be locked up and in jail and in trouble. Hello? Because you desire to take someone out for what they did. You probably shouldn't do that. You desired something that wasn't yours. You'll probably spend the rest of your life in jail if you do that. So desiring is one thing, but demanding is something else. Demanding is, I'm not going to be quiet about this and hide somewhere. I'm going to show up and make my declaration and draw my line in the sand and say, give it to me. This is, this is the type of thing that happened when uh, the, Jesus gives the story about the, the young boy that decided, or young man, that he wanted his inheritance now. I don't want to wait. I want it now. Give me my inheritance. That's demanding something. Give it to me now. And so the writer said that Jesus, speaking to Simon, said, Satan demanded to have you. He demanded. He showed up and said, let me have Simon. Give me Simon Peter for a few days. Let's see, kind of the, the same deal that happened with Job, you know? The same. But, but the, the reverse of this is, it was the Lord that said to the adversary, where you been? Well, I've been wandering around. Are you into any trouble? Well, I'm trying to get in trouble, but I can't find anybody that wants to play. And so he's like, well, okay. Well, have you considered my servant Job? What about Job? It was God who said, try Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Well, no, I haven't because I know you got your hand on him and there isn't anything I can do to him. So there, that's no fun at all. And he said, well, if you'll, if you'll remove your hand off of him, if you'll leave him alone, I guarantee you I'll cause him to fall. So when you, when you see this in the Scripture, you have to understand, Jesus is saying to Simon, Satan demanded to have you. He singled you out. And this is what he wants to do to you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He told me what his plan is. He, he laid it out and said, he's going to get a hold of your life and literally wring you out like a rag doll and do everything he can to shake your faith and to steal your confidence and destroy you. But Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus didn't say, I told him, no way, that's my favorite disciple of all. Well, no way, because I'm setting him up to preach the gospel message in the second chapter on the day of the outpouring. Oh, no, no, not Simon. He's the special one. I have things destined for him. You can't have him. Why don't you try one of these other guys? doesn't tell us that the Lord said, you can't have him. You can't touch him. You can't try him. You're not going to... He just said, hey, Simon, he said he wants to sift you as wheat and without going into all the details, I gave him permission. Hope you enjoy the ride. <laughs> now, sometimes when you think God is in the business of always keeping us from struggle, you need to go back and read again. It was God who said, 
have you considered my servant Job? It was God who didn't say, you can't touch Simon. There you go. But this is the next line. He said, but I prayed. I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready. Bravado. Beating his chest. Right on the heels of the Lord saying, you're fixing to go through hell, buddy. I hope you enjoy it. He says, me, I'm glad you chose me. Be five, four, from Simon Peter, from, he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Bring it on. <laughs> Man, we can really miss the mark sometimes in the things of God. Uh, he's just like, yeah, kill me. Prison, yes, I'm ready. <sighs> Jesus says, <laughs> I tell you, Peter, the roosters, I smell the blood of a, and, he, and Jesus said, a barnyard animal, before he even wakes up and <coughs> clears his throat, before the rooster even crows today, you will deny me three times. Prison, death, I'm ready. And he said, a chicken will not even get out of bed good before you have already denied me three times. Man, talking about putting somebody in their place. I mean, he, he was ready to, you know, prison, guards, death, swords, armies, and the Lord brings him down to a barnyard animal and says a chicken is good. Before he even gets it out good in the morning, you're already going to have denied me three times. Man. See, he knows us better than we know ourselves. All right? Now, he could have said, but I prayed for you that you would have salvific faith. I prayed for you that you would have delivering faith. I prayed for you that you would have daily faith. I prayed for you that you would have miraculous faith. I prayed for you that you would possess one of the gifts of the Spirit and you would have faith. I prayed for you that you would have Torah faith. I prayed for you, we call it biblical faith. I prayed for you that you would have faith in the patriarchs. I, he didn't say any of that because here's what happens to most of us. We get so caught up in the many facets of faith and the many dimensions of faith, and the extreme vastness of faith, and the amazing thing that faith is, that we forget what it all really comes down to. And what it comes down to, Jesus said to him was, I prayed that your faith, whatever kind of faith it is, 
doesn't fail. This is amazing to me because if you go back in our text to this seventh chapter of Isaiah, Judah was coming under attack. They were coming under attack by two different armies. This is why I slowed down and read the verses to you, 7, 8, and 9. So, so you would hear this and, and, and you have to go back to verse 1, 2, and 3 to realize what's going on. The Syrian army arises and they decide they want to wipe out Judah. So they try to join in an alliance with Ephraim or with Israel. And if you know much about the history, you'll know that when the kingdom was divided, Israel, out of the 12 tribes of Israel, when they divided, there were 10 tribes that went and fell under the heading of Israel. There were two tribes that went in this division and fell under the heading of Judah. And so you have the Syrian army now joining forces with the, uh, with the, uh, with Ephraim or with Israel who's made up of ten tribes and these two armies are now going to launch an attack against Judah that's only made up of two tribes. And Judah realizes we're outmatched and we're outnumbered just facing Israel, much less Syria also. And the Bible tells us, if you look through those first three verses in, in the third verse of this seventh chapter, it says to him, he said, I want you to go, Isaiah. I want you to go forth now and meet Ahaz. I want you to go king. He's the king of Judah. And Isaiah is the prophet. And he's saying, go to the king of Judah. Go to him and began to share things with him. Be a voice to him. Why, why was God saying, go tell Ahaz something for me? Well, the reason he was telling him that was, you find it in the, the, the verse previous to that. The Bible tells us that they were, and it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is in confederate with Ephraim, and his heart was moved. And the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood, are moved with the wind. So when these armies came together, the king's heart failed him. And the people, the Bible said, began to shake like wind trees that are being moved in the woods when the wind blows. So Judah is facing Ephraim and Syria. They're outmatched. They're outnumbered. They're overwhelmed. They feel like it's going to end for them right now. And they're literally shaking in their boots. They are afraid of what's going to happen next. And God says to Isaiah, Isaiah, go meet with the king in a certain place. Go get, have this a meeting with him and say to to him in verse 4, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. For the two tails of those smoking firebrands, he said, don't be afraid of Ephraim or Syria. He said, be quiet, don't be afraid, 
Don't lose faint-hearted. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't give up in this moment. Don't quit in this moment. I like, I like the way it says it in the uh, English Standard Version. I'm going to read it here. It says, and say unto him, or, or that's the King James. Let me read it from my notes. It says this. In, he said, I, I want you to say to these two smoldering stumps. That's the way, that's the way it's, 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 it's uh, translated in the English Standard Version. Go say to Ahaz, don't be afraid, don't lose hope, don't let these two smoldering stumps. I thought of that. We live here in the front range and and often we have fires in the summer. And isn't it amazing how when, when a fire begins that it gets to this flashpoint where it just jumps highways and jumps ditches and, and all of a sudden it starts consuming uh, hundreds of thousands of acres of trees and property and homes and million dollar homes. They're engulfed and people are grabbing things and running and trying to uh, just a few possessions that they may can take with them. And we see, and, and, and this is, I'm saying that because I want you to see, we, we see the smokes, we're, effect, we're affected by the smoke. The smoke will, a fire will be taking place, a state two over and all of a sudden our, our skies will cloud up and the smoke is there. Those are forest fires at Flashpoint that are just consuming hundreds of thousands of acres and, and there's nothing really to do but to try and get ahead of it and dig ditches and try to get some kind of containment going on. But, but this, is, this is what happens to us. Israel, Ephraim and Syria. Life starts coming to us and it comes to us in the form of challenge and it, and it seems like it's just multiplying all around us. It's not just one situation at a time. It's all these situations at a time and, and in our mind it's like flashpoint fire. In our mind it's consuming. In our mind nothing can contain it. In our mind our family is over. My health is gone. My finances are ruined. I'm never getting out of the situation because all we see is the smoke and the flames and the planes flying over and the chemicals and the water and the ditches being dug and the firemen and the volunteers and the machinery and we're like oh my God and that's what trouble looks like to us. There's no way. That's what it looked like to Judah and so they're shaking because they know there's no way we can contain this. There's no way and God says to Isaiah go tell Ahaz and tell the people that in my eyes they're nothing more than a smoldering stump. It's not a whole front range full of flame and smoke and imposing force, but it's just, have you ever seen a stump that you tried to get out of the yard and, and you try to take it out and you pour kerosene or you pour whatever it may be on it and before long it's just smoldering there it's not big flames it's not jumping the driveway getting over the neighbor's yard it's just a little bit of smoke that he said in my eyes that's what those armies look like huh see we we're saying oh, imposing Yellowstone wiped out Estes Park wiped out everything is gone and he's saying are you kidding me go tell them not to be afraid go tell them not to be faint hearted go tell them to take courage because as far as I see it it's nothing more than a smoldering stone it, it's just it's just something that's so 
easily managed. Now, Judah is stressed. They're worried. And God's saying, don't let this fear strip your faith from you. Don't let this struggle take your faith from you. Because I'm going to do a work like you have never seen. He goes in verse 7 and he says this. I'm jumping down here quickly. He's saying, Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand neither shall it come to pass. These armies are, they're they're, they're amassing the troops. They're lining up for battle. And God said, tell them it's not even going to stand. Tell them it will not last. Tell them it's not coming to pass. You say there's no way around it. There's no way to change it. And God's saying, I have a way of causing it to never even start. So it doesn't matter what the enemy is saying. It doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. This is not going to come to pass. He said, for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is reason and within 65 years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. He said they look so strong right now and they look like they're in charge right now and they look like they have it together but let me tell you from my perspective within 65 years Israel will be shattered and they will be scattered and they will not even be a people as you think they are right now. See when God steps in He was saying Damascus is the head of Syria. He's trying to say Here's who and and where the authority and the charge comes from in those places. He's trying to say, but but what you're relying on, hallelujah, isn't the location of Damascus and it isn't some man-made authority or power. He's trying to lift their faith to tell them you don't have to lose your faith in the middle of a struggle. He said within 65 years they won't even be a people and the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramali and if you are not firm in faith you will not be firm at all. See, what they, listen, what they thought they needed was a bigger army, a more imposing force, a different capital city, another powerful and influential leader. They were looking at all of the what-ifs and could-bes, and they were saying, and he's trying to eliminate all that. He's saying, this is their place, this is their head, this is who's in charge, this is what... But let me tell you that it doesn't matter the city, it doesn't matter the name, it doesn't matter the size, it doesn't matter the challenge. If you're not firm in faith, you won't be firm at all. So you can have all of those things and have no faith and you're never coming through it. But you can have none of those things and have firm faith and it doesn't matter what you face. I will give you the power and the strength to get through whatever it is that you're facing. I love, I love the story and how, how he goes on to encourage them this way. And, and, it, and it lines up, in my opinion, so uh, closely with Jesus speaking to Simon. 
Because he tells him, I prayed that your faith would not fail. In the midst of this attack that was coming, the word of the Lord was that the adversary's plan will not stand. This is what God was saying to Judah. The enemy's desire and plan and their attack, it will not last. He was saying to them, you will survive. You will survive. And he said, but if you're not firm in faith, if you're not firm there, you will not be firm at all. Jesus said, yes, you will be attacked, but I pray that your faith would not fail while you're being tested, while you're going through the storm. So here's here's where it comes down to for me. The one thing that it will come down to is this. Not faith, all right? I think I've already explained that. There's a whole lot of different faiths. Faith is what we most of the time or most often go to, as long as I have faith. Let, let, me, let, me, let me go a little bit deeper with you for a moment. You can have all the faith that you want in the world, but there's something that you cannot make it through any difficult place in life without. And that is firm, unwavering faith. I know some people that have faith But as soon as the storm blows in, that faith starts shaking. He's saying, you're shaking like trees in a forest when the wind begins to blow. Quit being afraid and don't be faithless. Don't be heartless. Don't let your faith be firm. He comes back to them and said, if you don't have firm faith, you don't have faith at all. You, you, it's got to be firm. It has to be that if it's for salvation or for daily life or for deliverance or for biblical, whatever it may be, it has to be the kind of faith that doesn't move. When, when I was growing up, we used to sing the song, uh, and some of you will remember the song, and, and I'm sure you will love to hear me sing the song today. It just simply goes like this. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. There's about a hundred verses to that. Glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Though my friends forsake me, I shall not be moved. Listen, I've got all of them down, so if you're just staring at me, I'm not blank, I do know. Though my friend, it's there. Friends, friends can leave. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to be like a faith. Some people say, I've got faith, but I don't. Then have firm faith. Have the faith when the doctor says there's no hope. You just say, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what the report is, but I know who is the healer of all of my diseases. I have a faith that will not be shifted, a faith that will not be moved. I have a faith that's not going to be uprooted. It's a firm faith. 
I was raised in the home of a father, a man of faith, who lived faith, breathed faith, walked in faith, operated in faith, believed faith. It was exemplified before me every day of my life. Every kind of aspect of faith you want to come up with, my dad probably encountered it at some point or another. But I promise you, what matters more than anything else is that you have the kind of faith when impossibility is in front of you. You say, this is not going to move me. This is not going. Well, nothing is lining up in your favor, but firm faith says, when I don't see it. God is able to do it and I can never please him without that kind of faith faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith keeps you in the fight there's three boys facing attack they're They're prisoners in a foreign land. They're captives in Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar is saying bow or burn And everybody around them is back. When you hear the sound of the music, bow. We're not going to do that. Well, turn turn the fire up. Let the furnace burn seven times hotter. That'll get their attention. Firm faith says, O king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. I mean, think about that one line. Firm faith is, I'm not afraid to answer you when the fire is seven times hotter. I'm not careful. See, this is what we do. Negotiate, back down. Well, I don't push as hard. And They said, we're not careful to answer you this in this matter. We're not afraid. We're not hiding behind anything. Our God is able. If He chooses not to do it, fine, but He's still able to do it. That's firm faith that just says, turn it up as hot as you need to get it. Because our God is able. That's the kind of faith that is unwavering. Don't let, when you're, when you're sitting across the desk from the counselor or from the financial advisor or from bill collectors or from the bank or from whoever it is to sit there and say, but wait a minute, God said He was going to open the windows of heaven. And God, that's firm faith. That's just not any kind of faith. That's faith when all the reports are negative and everything's coming against you. Firm faith says, I'm not going to be moved and he said to them if you don't have firm faith you don't have anything firm at all and Jesus said to Peter I pray that your faith stays firm I pray that your faith doesn't fail because the night will get dark you can't change all those other circumstances going on around you You can't fix all those things, but the one thing you can do is stand strong. That's why the Bible says, when you've done all to stand, I mean, do I have to preach all day for some of you to get the point today? I mean, you know the Bible. I'm not making stuff up. I'm not trying to preach you pie in the sky. I'm saying you will have hell in your life. You will have disappointment in your life. You will have storms in your life. You will have letdown in your life. You will have trouble in your life. But there's one thing that will be a common denominator among it all. If you make it through, it will be because you just stand firm and say, I refuse to be moved. I refuse to be taken out. I refuse to give up on God. I will stand, 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 stand. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand therefore. Square your shoulders back in faith. 
and say, oh, you want to fight? You'll have to kill me before I'm moved. And that's what those boys did. They said, if he does, great. If he doesn't, great. He's still able. I'll die standing here. That's the kind of saw, saw horse type of backbone. Saw log faith. I mean, just... If you're, if you're going to give up, you will give up. If you can, if it's possible for you to give up, you will give up. Because if this storm doesn't take you out, the next one will. And if the next one doesn't, the one after that will. But if you're the kind that stands there saying, I'm not going to be moved. Though none go with me, I shall not be moved. Though none go with me, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. I'm preaching to you today. Whether you want, if you, you think what you want, it will come down to one thing, and most likely the one thing is, is firm, unwavering, unmovable faith that just looks every impossible odd in the face and says, but I still have a God sitting on a throne. And I know it looks bad, sounds bad, feels bad, but God hasn't counted me out and I'm not counting Him out. He can come through after the fact and turn the whole thing around. Put, it, put your hands together and somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. God, give us firm faith. God, give us unmovable faith. God, give us the kind of faith that it will be, in most cases, the only, the only thing that cannot be replaced with something else. It's the single key that works in every situation. Firm faith. I challenge you to activate it in your life. Activate that kind of faith. Not wishy-washy faith. Firm faith. I believe it. Take me out if you need to, but I'll die believing it. This is firm. This isn't going to be moved. My feet are planted right here. Amen. Your mind will be tested. Your heart will be tested. Your life will be tested. Your finances will be tested. Your spirit will be tested. Your marriage will be tested. Your relationships will be tested. Anybody? Your careers will be tested. Come on. Every, your, every part and everything in your life will be tested. And it will continue to be tested. But those that just dig in and set their feet and say, God, give me firm faith. Give me the kind of faith that doesn't bend. Well, I've got to make this allowance. No, you don't. Well, yeah, I've got to, I've got to allow for that. No, you don't. Well, I've got to compromise that. No, you don't. Because if you start allowing and compromising and moving and shifting, you will never make it through the storm that comes. But if you just say, well, looks like we're going to be here for a while. You know, the devil's a chicken. Why didn't he want to mess with Job? Because there was something about Job when the closest people to him were saying, just curse God and die. He said, you speak so foolish. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. I'm going to stand right here. Blessed be His name.
I mean, that, that's, that's why the devil didn't want to fight him. That's why the devil didn't, because he was like, I, what am I going to do? He's not, I strip everything away, take everything away, destroy his family, his finances, his wealth, his name. I take it all from him, and he's still standing there. Though the skin worms, <laughs> that's firm, unmovable. And this is possibly, in, in, to me, one of the most incredible, if not greatest statement of faith in the entire Bible. He says this, Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. See, because faith is confidence or trust in someone or something. And He said, kill me, but my trust is in Him. Do whatever you have to do, but my confidence is in Him. If I draw my last breath, scratching with broken pottery on these open wounds, I still trust Him. God, give us that kind of faith. Give me that kind of faith. Give me that kind that doesn't bow and doesn't bend and doesn't buckle and doesn't throw in the towel and doesn't run and doesn't quit. Give me that kind of faith. Anybody want to step out from where you're standing and come and stand with me today or kneel here, whatever you feel.